Everybody wants to have good friends, but have you ever wondered what it takes to be a good friend? Welcome to Friends on Hand, where we explore the fine art of friendship. I am Nancy Hand, social confidence coach, and in this episode, we are talking to one of my favorite people in the world, and I say that because she's in Ireland. (laughs) We are talking to personal development expert and neurolinguistic programming trainer, Karen Mullen. And Karen has extensive background in behavioral change and specializes in helping her clients through massive self-discovery and transformational life changes. And I know that because I have had the immense pleasure of playing with her as a friend and as uh, working with her as both a client and a collaborator. So I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Karen. Hey, hon. That was a nice intro. Thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) You like that? I like that. Yeah, I'm stealing that and using it in future. (laughs) Thankfully, we're recording this, so, you know, it's going to be available. So, so... Are you are you cold and windy and blustery there in Ireland today? Um, at the moment, what we have is a very very severe frost for the last three nights. So this is the best winter weather in Ireland, the best oh. because it's crisp, dry days, blue skies, mm. white puffy clouds, and freezing. Yay! <laughs> but no rain well, that... and no great skies, so it's lovely. There you go. <laughs> so you and I met at. <gasps> A, Long time an ago. NLP training, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which for those of you who aren't familiar, it's the study of how people process and retrieve their own information. And we met in, what, I think, 2003. And I wow. liked you immediately. Like, I know. <laughs> I liked you right off. So I wanted to, to kind of get your take on that. You had a, a partner in crime, Janice. Um, yeah. I actually met like your mom first. I met your mum. Yeah, I was talking to her first. Yeah, blessed, blessed, blessed. And then I think Janice had met you first because she had been talking to your mum as well. And then we started talking. And it was one of those things where you're talking to a person, you just feel like you've known them all your life. Mm -hmm. You know, that it was that sort of instant connection. I think yourself, myself and Janice both had that twinkle in our eyes that says, you know, yeah, I get you. I understand. So, it's the connection. And that that's kind of where I'd like to go right off the bat. Um, how did, it, okay, the sparkle, yes. And I see that too. And, um, you know, making new friends here in Memphis, the in my Rotary Club, in our Rotary Club, there were two ladies who immediately, and I call it the Santa twinkle. You know, when you see like the pictures of Santa <laughs> Claus, exactly, like, like, yeah. <laughs> like giving that smile and it's, it's almost like stars are sparkling in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Same, same. It's mischievous and it's, yeah. it's fun and it's, it's, but it's loving too. And you're like, oh yeah, we're going to have fun. Yeah. So I got that right off the bat and I'm just wondering, how do you, how do you know? Like what other signals do you get when, when you're making or meeting new people? Like, ah, oh, this is somebody I should talk to or and maybe what deters you? Okay, so to connect with somebody in that way, I generally am looking at, are they making eye contact with me? And mm-hmm. are they listening to what I'm saying? And do they realize that I'm listening to what they're saying? So when I'm speaking to them, they're looking at me and they're either nodding, they're giving the rapport signals that they're getting what you're saying, you know, that they're interested 
not looking over your shoulder to see who might be standing behind you that might be more interesting to talk to, (laughs) those kind of things. But also when I'm listening to them speak, not just when I'm speaking, but when I'm listening to them speak, that they get, that you have that kind of almost exchange of energy between you, that they get that you are attentively listening. So it's that Mm -hmm. mutual respect back and forth in those beginning moments of, hey, even if it's just a, hi, how are you? My name is Karen. You know, and they reply with, hi, how are you? My name's Nancy. <laughs> and it's even in those first few seconds of connection that you have with a person that it's almost like a level of respect that you're willing to find out, is this person somebody I want to know forever? Or, you know, is this somebody who's going to be really close to me forever? Or is this somebody who, yeah, I'm going to be very polite and excuse myself in five minutes. And that's, I guess that's the attentiveness. And I've heard of, um, oh, I'm trying to think of what, it was one of the big celebrities that when he was in the room, if he was talking to you, no matter what, you felt like the only person on the planet in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can just um, have a nanosecond of that is is a pretty good signal. And so essentially it's interest and, and, um, attentiveness. It is. But also remember, you could meet somebody who isn't as confident as you. Okay. Who might be nervous in social situations and who doesn't have that twinkle in the eye because they're possibly having a conversation with themselves in their heads about they should have a twinkle in their eye and they don't have a twinkle in them. Why don't, oh my God, I really should do better in these social (laughs) circumstances. And that kills a twinkle straight away, you know? So you could have somebody like that and, but you still get that connection with them. Because there's a genuineness in people that shows on their face when they introduce themselves and when they listen to you introduce yourself. It's that that first few moments to me is when the connection potentially can be made. And that's not to say that you can't ever connect with somebody after that if it didn't go well the first time. Of course you can. But it's okay. just sometimes you have that instant buzz between the two of you, that connection that kind of gets you to a place well, where go – no, I have a good example. Last year, I, I was at a um, a seminar and, you know, big room, bunch of people sitting in chairs and whatever. And I sat next to this lady who was engrossed in what she was doing and she was, she didn't look up to say hi or anything. And I was a little put off. I was like, because you know me. <laughs> and so I sat down next to her and I was like, fine, we're not going to talk. But her quietness, and I love her to bits now. She's one of my favorite new people. She like her energy just sitting next to her was like I I think just being in her presence like began to un unwind. Mm-hmm. And then it was like once we kind of synced up energetically, then we had the best conversation. But I was like, Wee! and she was like, ah, and we weren't gonna meet there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you don't know what stops a person from connecting mm-hmm. with you immediately. But if you're open to just being patient with a person and waiting a few moments to see, can you, as you say, sync up energetically with them or can mm-hmm. you get your energy levels at the same place? You know, even a reassuring nod of the head to somebody who might be feeling insecure is enough for them to come out of the head, their own headspace and connect with you. So it just like if you allow yourself just a few moments, I always think like 15, 20 minutes after talking to a person, I kind of know whether I like them or not. 
You know, I kind of have a feeling that mm. this is this is somebody I like. Having said that, Danance, I'm always allowing for the fact that a person can be having a bad day. So I, they could be in a bad space or I could be in a bad space and maybe we didn't connect that day. So I'd always give it a second shot. But after a second shot, I kind of know for definite. Mm-mm. Yeah, they're in the acquaintance pile or they're in the friend pile. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's um, my, my theory is that I, I don't try too hard to crack a tough nut. Mm-hmm. If it's that tough, then it probably doesn't belong in my, exactly. <laughs> in my repertoire. So I have to work that but, hard at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be that hard yeah, to yeah. make a new friend. Well, let me ask you this, and this is kind of kind of a little astray from what I wanted to talk about, but just real quick, have you or do you have any friends that you didn't like at first? Um, no, but I am friends with somebody who didn't like me at first. Hmm. <laughs> if that helps. <laughs> How, how is that even possible? How is that possible? I, <laughs> I ask you. Um, funnily enough, she wasn't Irish. She was American. And uh, I, we were organizing a coffee date between a bunch of women. And I used a phrase and she misinterpreted the phrase. And she mm-hmm. thought that meant that I was being a bit of a nasty person. Um, so she tells the story how she went home to her house and rang her mother in America. must have been some god-awful hour with time difference and said, I've just invited around this person and I think I hated her and she's coming for coffee in an hour. (laughs) So we went in and we sat down, we got talking and thankfully she was really open to giving me a second chance and uh, we discovered, we, we actually are, the closest of friends now we get on brilliantly and but and it was maybe three months later she told me this story and I was weak laughing I just thought it was awesome that you know a simple phrase that was used okay so this may have been a cultural difference here with the, the Irish language and the American English and Irish English but it was just it could have gone really wrong and thankfully so I mean there was huge learning in that for me as well just to not assume everybody knows what I'm talking about (laughs) well I love that we talked the other day about nature and nurture Mm -hmm. and so do you feel like you were a born connector I think babies if you're if you're born as a baby you have to connect with an adult to survive so mm-hmm. there's a theory that babies are born to that look like their dads. So the dads will bond with them because the mothers automatically bond with this baby that was there for nine months inside them. Um, I don't know. Do I agree with that or not? I don't know the proof of that, but it's, it's one that gets thrown around quite a bit. I think that as we grow up, as we're children and we start to develop and learn social skills, we learn, first of all, in our family, our family of origin. And we learn there that This is how you connect with people. And children who don't feel connected within families often will go for attention seeking. It's one of the the, the sort of the payoffs for them is that if I I get any kind of connection with you. So the parents often feel like irritated and annoyed and they're going like, is this, this again? Like, you know, she's doing this, this child is doing this again to me. And oh my God, this is so irritating. And that's how the parents feel. And that's usually because the child is doing some sort of attention-seeking behavior because they feel insecure or somehow alienated and not connected within their family unit. Now, 
as we grow and get older, hopefully we learn <laughs> how not mm-hmm. to do that. But if you think back to, because I was thinking about this after our conversation the other day, if you think back to when you were in school, say middle school, high school in America, and you think of the, who was the drama queen in the group? Who was the guy who was the class clown and always interrupting and looking, who are the ones looking for attention? And if you think about that person, that that teenager that you would have known or young child that you would have known back then, how insecure were they actually? And how much of this was a form of attention seeking because they felt this is the only way I can connect with this group of peers. And that often happens with teenagers that they'll do stuff to, hey, look at me. I'm being, I'm, I'm a rebel. I'm over here smoking cigarettes out the back of the school. Like I'm a total, total rebel. You know, everybody pay attention to me. And it's that desire to belong to a group. And sometimes they're afraid to ask to belong to the group. So they'll do something to get attention so they can, you know, and when children, learn how to connect within the family unit and they learn the importance of connection, which isn't that somebody's doting attention on them all the time. It's that the child feels secure enough to know I get attention when I need it or when is normal, when it's appropriate. Okay, so you're sitting down for family dinner and every voice gets heard at the table, normal, appropriate attention. You know, and when children learn to be that secure, they know that they belong. And when you feel like you belong to some group, any group, but you feel like you belong to a group, that gives you that sense of security that you're going to go out and be somebody who will cooperate more in the world, somebody who will actually look to connect with people on a, you know, a very sort of reasonable basis. And and these are the people who develop really, really strong friendships. I love that. And, and it, that brings up a question I was going to ask you later, but I think this is a good, a good place to put it is um, how, how do you think social media has, has affected the quality of friendships and, and for you, and I'll just ask you because you, you've been online, offline, we're both old enough to remember time before mm-hmm. and to, to say those, have you had any, existing relationships maybe weaken because of of social media and have you created any new ones that are as robust as they would have been if you'd met someone in person I know that's a mouthful but no I get what you're saying you, you know what I'm asking so I suppose one of the things I can relate to is that I put up a post one day which I thought was kind of humorous um and it, it was funny um you know and I know that a, a member of my extended family made a comment on it that I thought was a little skewed. And I, so I, I took a beat, took a minute. And when I had a, a second that night, I rang them and I said, Hey, I just want to check in that everything's okay. And she was like, Oh yeah, that was so funny today. What you said on Facebook, I was weak laughing and I'm going, okay, I thought from the comment, maybe you didn't find it funny. She says, oh no, I meant it this way. And what you don't get in comments and what you don't get in text messages, Snapchat, TikTok, WhatsApp, all of them, you don't get tone of voice. You don't hear somebody's sarcastic lilt or full-on sarcasm as it might be in the case. But (laughs) sometimes we say things that are sarcastic, but we say it with a lilt in our voice that people know we're being humorous. Sometimes we say something like, duh, and it could be the, as in 
no. And it could be the, as in, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course I'm right beside you, whatever you need, you know. And mm-hmm. we don't have that tone of voice. So there can be miscommunication is the way I would describe it in sure. social media really easy. The upside of social media for me is that it has allowed me to keep, and you're going to love this one, it's, got, it's allowed me to keep connection with friends that I had from when I was back in uh, secondary school, which is the equivalent for your middle and high school. So people who have emigrated from Ireland and they're all over the world, um, friends I made when I was living in a different city who have left the country and now live in Australia, I get to connect with them. And we get to stay in each other's lives through social media, but you're not actually in their life, if you know what I mean. So I know what's happening in their lives, but I'm not physically there lending support or going on a picnic with them or that kind of connection. It's a different type of connection. So I don't think it has the same depth as being able to sit with somebody and have a have dinner but at the same time it affords a level of connection that I otherwise wouldn't have fair and and I feel about I feel the same way and what I've had my experiences um include having people who would be categorized as like a weak tie Mm -hmm. so you know I guess you've got your your super core circle and then I think I have like eight circles of friendship like yeah um but the ones that would be normally on the outskirts, I have been able to really connect with some of those just on like a lark or a whim, like um, Paul. Yeah. Paul is a great example. We ended up staying at his house. I'd never met him before, but I knew him. (laughs) (laughs) That's just you, Nancy. (laughs) I I thought that was remarkable, but you know, it was, it was not even a, he wasn't even a tie at all, but Janice has, has sort of come in and out of my circle Mm-hmm. Um, closer and further, and and I consider her to be a, a good friend, and to have the ability to make those, I guess those links, I thought it was pretty pretty incredible. And but flip side, that there are people who normally would have called me on the phone, or that I I was closer with who don't feel the need to connect like that anymore because they can see, oh, everything's fine. I see it on your, you know, Instagram. I liked your picture. Therefore, I know that you and I are connected. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And it it's just not more. the same as it's not. You can, you can wish me happy birthday on Facebook. But if you're if you're in a certain level of friendship, you better pick up the phone and sing to me. That's all I'm saying. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say I get a phone call from Nancy every birthday and she sings to me? <laughs> We'll be doing the same this year. Okay. Message taken. Yeah. No. <laughs> you have a few days to prepare. Thanks. Thanks. I'll write you a song. Um, I think what we have here is a new form of communication. And that's what it's a new form of connection, mm. if you will. I like that. Um, because, yes, there are people who I wouldn't know what they're doing with their lives. I wouldn't know where they were because we were friends once upon a time and then everybody moved away. So it's, it, you know, letter writing was a thing that I used to be really good at. And now I don't have to be good at that anymore, you know. And emails were a f- the fastest letter writing that we could do, uh, which was great. But still, there's people there that, um, like, uh, there's a girl I was in school with who she walked the Wild Atlantic Way. 
<clears throat> which is the entire west coast of Ireland. She was raising money for the RNLI, which is the, the lifeboats um, who go out to sea and rescue people when they're in trouble. A brilliant cause, fantastic walk. And it was like a really difficult thing to do because she was walking it and carrying a backpack or staying in her camper van. It was, it was a lot of back and forth and hassle. And because I knew she was doing it and because we were on Facebook and connecting with each other, I was able to turn up for one of the legs of her journey and just be the the car who ferried her back and forth between her walking posts and uh, just generally hung out for two days with her. And we had a great time, you know, and if we didn't have Facebook, I wouldn't have known that she was even doing that. I love that. Because this is somebody who I had been in school with who I hadn't seen for years. You know, we had gone separate colleges, we'd gone separate ways, and we were able to connect, turn up, and just have fun again. And that to me is the joy of social media. I mean, it's really negative in lots of ways with the bullying and stuff that goes on, particularly with teenagers. And I, mm -hmm. I hate it for that side of it. But it does lend you the opportunity to maintain relationships at a certain level, you know, as deep as you want them to be with people. So, and, and with, with your, with that story, which I love, 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 mm -hmm. you could have been, your visit may have been the difference between, between a giving up, maybe not that extreme, but, or, or her pushing on through maybe something difficult. So, you in particular, I really would like to talk to you about friendships and resilience because you do work with people who are going through these life changes or transformations or difficult times. How, how do you see that playing into a person's ability to, um, you know, be, be tough in tough times? Okay. First, just to clarify, she would never have given up this woman. She would have walked oh, on her own. She sure. would have gone hands and knees to finish this. <laughs> but yeah, I know I made it easier for one stage for her. Um, in terms of resilience, I think, okay, when people hit a wall, something happens in their lives that is traumatic or, you know, it, and I use the word traumatic carefully because what might be traumatic to me could be a thing and nothing to you. Um, so it's it's to each ind individual their own experience as to how they categorize it. But something happens to a person that knocks them off their norm, okay? Mm -hmm. And it takes them out of themselves for a bit. And they have to regroup and redress their life. So somebody was in a, well, let's just say somebody might have been in an accident. They may have suffered a loss. They could have lost um, a partner. They could have lost a child. They could have... Um, People can lose their jobs. People can lose their homes. People can lose um, a pet. You know, it's it's it doesn't matter what it is that you lose. It's how you handle it. And what happens for a lot of people is that they become very withdrawn within to themselves and they start cutting their connections. Mm. So now there is benefit in retreating and healing. No question. Sometimes you need to step away from the world for a little while and just heal. The problem is that sometimes people step away and they cut the ties so strenuously that they can't get them back or they don't know how to get them back. And then they're left feeling lonely and further isolated at a time when they now need to come back into living life again and recovering from whatever happened to them. So one of the things that I know is that if somebody is resilient before they have 
a traumatic event in their lives, then they're most likely going to get through it okay. If a person has a realization about their life and they want to change how they are, being resilient beforehand will help you get through it. When a person is a bit unsteady to start with, that's when they can get into difficulty with maintaining connections. Because if you're resilient enough and you know that you need to pull back from the world for a little while just to heal, then you're going to say to people, hey, can you just give me a bit of space? I just need to take two, three months here just to regroup and figure out what I'm going to do next. And I'll raise a flag when I need some help. A resilient person will say that. A person who doesn't have that kind of resilience within themselves will actually pull back, not say anything. And it can piss off the people around them, excuse my language, but it can. And it can cause people to go, you know, I was only trying to help them. I don't know what the problem is. They never answer their phone. They don't reply to text messages. You know, I've sent them four WhatsApp messages in this last half hour and nobody has replied to me. And (laughs) the person at the other end gets really annoyed, you know, and it's because I didn't have the strength to say to you, you know, I need to just be on my own for a little bit or I'm working through something. So going out and being social right now is just too hard. Just give me a bit of space and I'll be back. And if you've got good friends in your life and you've made good connections, you know that you can say that to your friends and you'll get a message from them every now and then going, hey, I'm here, you know, raise a flag if you need me or I'm going to the grocery store. What do you need me to get you? So you don't have to go out, you know, or you know, something like they'll do something for you, um, but they won't invade your space. Where somebody who isn't truly a good friend of yours will probably turn up at your house and insist that you come out and have a drink with them because it's good for you to get out of your house. Do you understand? Yes. You need, what you need is a walk in the fresh air. That'll do you the world of good. <laughs> And they have the best of, I mean, they're coming from a good place, a heart place. They're looking out for you, but they're not listening to what you're asking from them. And that means that they are not truly a good friend. They're just, I would be putting them quickly into the acquaintance pile. So what I'm Or train them to be a good friend. Sorry. It is. It behooves us to, to create and cultivate those good friendships, those good relationships. Um, in, in the good times. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, and one of the things I hear a lot is I don't have time. And I'll, now I'm starting to kind of laugh on the inside because I know a lot of very um, connected people who have just as many demands on time, but they've prioritized that. And I think that that is what you have to do if you're going to get through those tough times. They happen. We will have things happen throughout life at all stages of life. And do you want to have that support or not is kind of the question. You don't want to wait until you need it to ask for it. Yeah. And I'm going to be really sexist here and say women are better at doing this than men. Uh, Yes. And (laughs) yes. And I think, I think our culture has trained guys away from having close um, male friendships in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so. And, I, it's not I, tough. It's, you're supposed to be a lone wolf and go things alone and tough it out and you don't need to have to ask for help or whatever. But 
I mean, back in the, the old days, guys were much, I think, much more likely to stay close friends. You know, we've all, you know, you the, I mean, I remember growing up and going into downtown Baton Rouge with my dad to the, you know, the hat store, which was next to the place that made the great tamales. We'll talk <laughs> about that another time. But, um, and it's, you know, the place where they still sold bow ties and things like mm-hmm. that. And uh, there would always be a group of really old dudes sitting out there, shoot the bull. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they were friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that. Okay. I don't think that men aren't good at making friends. I think they are. I think mm-hmm. what they're possibly not as good as women at is actually having a circle that they can call on in times of stress, crisis, trauma. And I agree. Or that they would call on. Call on. And that was my next thing, yeah. Or that they would actually yeah. pick up the phone and say, hey, I need someone to talk to. You know, I need and to. I, I hope that that's. Out. I hope that that's starting to change. I'm hoping that maybe just talking about friendship will help that a little bit. Well, I think the millennials that, are better at it. I think, I think that, so too. I think they've learned over the years. And I think probably the men of, I'll say my generation, those who are in their 50s, are training the men of the younger generations not to find themselves in that position anymore. Mm-hmm. To actually make friends, connect with friends. And any man who plays sports knows the connection of a team you know if they play a team sport they know what that connection is and they know how much heart it puts into them and how much courage it gives them in life and and resiliency comes from courage and it's they're very low then to let that go so I know men who will turn up to um, rugby club outings you know and they haven't picked up a rugby ball probably in about 40 years you know, <laughs> but they'll turn up there religiously because it's that connection again that they have awesome. with these people that they keep and then like the other situation is you know you see people and like if you look at say our parents and that generation if you think about it it's this is going to say be very generalistic when I say this but it's mainly the women who keep the connections going with couples yeah so if the woman yeah. dies first that man is often left unable to connect, you know, because he's never had to, because his wife has always done it. it she's always arranged the friends to come over for dinner or for them mm-hmm. to go out. And it's a new skill that the man has to learn at that time. And of course he can learn it. There's nothing to say he couldn't. It's just that he has to. And I, I think that it's like any other muscle. I mm-hmm. think your social muscles are the same as your quads. Oh, if yeah. you're not using them you're going to lose them or it's going to be painful when you go out there and use them for the first time. Yes. Um, like when I went back to the gym. <laughs> awkward <laughs> and weak, but <laughs> it is, I think it's a use it or lose it. And, and honestly, just as far as simple interactions go, mm-hmm. we have, we, I'm loosely calculating um, just for me personally, I probably, and have shaved off about 10 to 20 hours conservatively of actual interaction time with another person by buying my music online, shopping online, mm-hmm. going through self-checkout, checking into the airport on online. So it's like, it's like, you know, 30 seconds here, a minute there, 
Oh yeah, and it, we, it, we're it adds we're up. in a yeah we're in a society that's designed to have less human contact. Even if you ring to get your washing machine repaired, you're talking to a machine. Mm-hmm. It's saying, "Do you want this? Do you want that?" Press, and you got to go like through six layers to get to talk to a human voice, and then they're mm-hmm. reading from a script. You know, and it's but- and, and life is like that. I I hate self checkouts. I hate them in supermarkets. I absolutely hate them. And even though I have three things in my hand and there's a big long queue at the trolleys, you know, that this, uh, this attended checkout, I will queue at the attended checkout. I will stand well, right behind three trolleys and they will all say, do you want to go ahead? And I go, no, no, you're grand. Because I'm talking. Yeah. Because I like to talk, you know. The guards have to hate me, I think, sometimes when they see me come. It's like, oh, God, can she not just go? She's only got three <laughs> things. Why is she standing there? <laughs> Well, that's since since I realized that I've been making a more more of a conscious effort to you know go back to the old ways because I remember growing up we would not go there would be no grocery outing without at least three or four conversations that I was trying to drag my mom away from Absolutely. with strangers. Yes, yes. And so keeping keeping up the good work, I went over to the Kroger the other day, and I'm I like I like I'm I had just like you, I had like five things. I'm like I'm gonna go check out with a person yeah. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to make small talk and she's like she's giving me stink eyes she's like, Shut <laughs> up. how are you doing how about this weather <laughs> she's like go away lady yeah and, but, uh, but does the, the reason we have self-service checkout for people like you <laughs> stop talking to me <laughs> but the lady behind her like at the next one over like like as soon as I I was at that checkout she was she was available and so she I could see her she was craning over she wanted to talk <laughs> badly I just picked the wrong one oh no I'm sure she and I could have talked for hours about whatever <laughs> pot roast or, I mean like yeah <laughs> what you right, making? Of, I'm yeah. making gumbo Whole conversation. That's like one of my hours. favorite things is to find the girl <laughs> on the checkout or the guy on the checkout who has like that face that just says, "Is this shift ever going to end?" You know that face, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. Like, and so I will purposely go to that queue and be sunshine and roses. And I'm gonna. And my mission is to leave there to make sure that they're smiling when I leave. So I will stand and talk to them for half an hour with my three things while there's four trolleys behind me going, is this woman ever going to leave the supermarket? You know, and, and I will, it's my mission to make sure that this person has a happy day. (laughs) Even if it's that they go home and go, that lunatic woman was in the supermarket again today. You should, you should start bringing checkbooks and coupons. (laughs) (laughs) Coupons. I have to do so much with coupons. I wish you had coupons in Ireland like you have in America. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Will handles all that. I love it. Excellent. Yeah. So, so tell me, what is it, what do you look for in a friend? Or do you know what you're looking for? And that this is probably going to be my last big question for you, which is mm-hmm. you, you have a great friend circle. You make friends easily and quickly. Um, oh, Two questions. I'll, I'll go with this one. Whether you, do you think you were born a connector? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And how, how has the, how has your training affected your ability to communicate and get rapport? And because, you know, NLP is largely based on being able to may establish that rapport and connection before you continue into any kind of a discussion with somebody. 
You mean like how I can make the girls at the checkout smile? <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So for me, there's a certain criteria for someone to be my friend. Okay. I, I look for honesty in people the whole time. Okay. I don't, you know, I think if somebody's willing to say to me, Karen, please don't wear that outfit anymore. You know, it really, I know you think it looks good in your pet, but it doesn't. Uh, you know, if someone's willing to do that, then I'm going to keep them in my life. <laughs> if, especially if they do it kindly. Okay. Sometimes they get forceful. Some of my outfits are a bit odd, but you know, generally uh, people are kind. Um, if they have a sense of humor, because I love to laugh and mm-hmm. I don't think I could be with, hang out with people who just don't know how to find joy in life. And that's not to say that I wouldn't sit with a person who was going through a hard time. Of course I would. But on leaving aside the traumatic events that happened in our life, just living day to day, if you can find the joy in life and if you're grateful for what you have in your life, then that's somebody I, I who's like-minded. That's somebody I want to, to hang out with and have some fun with. And then I suppose there are certain things that turn me off. You know, if a person is mean um, mm-hmm. about other people, I really don't like that. Um, if a person is, if, if somebody's mean to a waiter, <laughs> it really annoys me. <laughs> that one really gets me. I just think anyone who's in the service industry should be treated well. You should stand and talk to them for half an hour and make them smile. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but apart from that, um, I generally just like to take people as I find them. And if we have similar interests, that kind of thing, you know, um, that's what makes me connect with somebody that I've got to keep them as a friend. Does that answer your question? It does. And and how how do you think you connect differently based on your training than you would have just left in the wild? I don't know that I do. <laughs> is the answer there. Because I think I was pretty good at listening to people before I did the training. Um, I think that... What I learned from the training is how to ask questions of people to get them to open up a bit more. Um, so I'm good at drawing out information from people um, in my job. That's really useful, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> please tell me about your life. <laughs> um, but then when I'm out socially and I'm like, say, okay, so when I go to the gym, right, I, I find myself lying on the floor like I was this morning doing a floor press you know, complaining bitterly as I do when I'm in the gym that I have to do anything at all. You know, I entertain no end inside there. And I just got talking with somebody um, while we were standing having a drink of water. And within minutes, I kind of was getting her life story without actually even asking that much. And that's where the training came in. It's the ability to ask the right question to, to elicit the information from the person. Okay. My favorite question, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. What is your... How do you know how to break the ice? How do you know what your perfect opener is? Oh, it's my smile. <laughs> well then. <laughs> it's infectious, apparently. <laughs> um, I have a smile that just lights up. Okay. Um, yes, you the entire, do. Yes, I, you've I seen have. it. You've been on the receiving yes, end of it a few times. I have it's, been. Yeah. Um, so when I walk into the room and I, I walk in... Um, and this is, I have had somebody tell me this, which is really interesting because then I, I looked for it and I realized they were right. I walk in with confidence. Okay. Um, and I have this big ass grin across my face. It's just, it's there and my eyes are sparkling and I'm 
there's this little thing you can do with your head when you tilt it to the side. If you just tilt your head fraction to the right. Puppy tilt. <laughs> the puppy the tilt. Puppy tilt. <laughs> it's like, tell me everything. And they do. <laughs> you can trust me. <laughs> and they do. Oh, yeah. And it. it's that. It's it's also my humor because I'm able to put people at ease because I can be quite self-depreciating. And, uh, you know, I, I don't. I'm not one of those people who goes in and big ups herself. I know who I am. I'm confident enough to know who I am. So I know what I can do and what my abilities are. So I don't have to lead with, hi, I'm Karen and I'm a therapist and I transform people's lives. <laughs> I don't open with that usually. <laughs> usually, depends. <laughs> no, I never open with that. <laughs> but it's just because I go in and I just am who I am and I accept people for who they are. And I smile a lot, tilt the head every now and then, the puppy tilt, that people are inclined to just be relaxed around me. And, you know, they think I'm crazy sometimes, but they just relax around me. No matter how crazy they think I am, they still tell me everything about their lives. It's amazing. It's amazing the trust people can put in you. It is. And, and the speed with which it's placed is, mm -hmm. is sometimes unnerving. Well, that speed uh, comes from the training. Well, that I had to ask the question. Yeah. I went to pick something up at my dentist's office the other day and I was the only other person in the, in the waiting room. And there was an older lady there with a walker. And then there was, was just a freestanding walker without a person attached and mm -hmm. just the two of us. And I sat down on the other side of the little room and I pulled out my phone and it felt literally like, like a mule kicked me in the back, like, Oh, you are not. And so I was like, Oh, caught myself, put the phone away. And I looked over at her and I said, what are you in for? Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> and, and we ended up having a great conversation. And she had just moved from her dream home to um, assisted living in Memphis. And she was feeling like a burden. Like I heard the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized that after, you know, and then her, her daughter came in and was a little snippy with her, but she just told me how bad she felt about her daughter having to take care of him and all this. Mm -hmm. But I realized afterward that I, I, that may have been one of the few non caregiving conversations she'd had in like three months. There you go. Just a regular stranger person. Yeah. What and are you in for? It's the joy of being heard. Yeah. And she just, she talked and talked and talked. I just sat there and listened and she needed to talk. And um, I'm glad I caught myself. A little, mm -hmm. a little shame saying it. I pulled out my phone right away. It was like instinct or, you know, oh, uh, yeah. what's the word I'm looking for? Like a... Automatic pilot? Yes, thank you. And yeah. so I'm being more conscious about that now. I it's, love how a tool that's supposed to be for communication is actually distancing us from people. I know. Mm -hmm. It's I just know. crazy so to me. I will have, have more of those conversations I'm sure just you know but you and I both know you drop either of us in a, an airport or something we'll have a party going and sure <laughs> but I think we did at that training in Florida I think so <laughs> we did we did whip we up did. a party we really at that did, training. Yes. we did yes <laughs> I can actually remember so, skipping cues in that training and teaching yourself and Janice how to skip a cue so that people mm -hmm. were happy that you skipped the cue Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> I don't queue for coffee. I just have coffee. <laughs> just that doesn't work in Starbucks. 
no, no. They're pretty, they're pretty, pretty uh, militant about those lines. Uh-huh. So I think you've pretty much answered most of my questions for today. Do you have any helpful tips for people who are looking to grow their circle? Take a chance. Take a chance and be brave. Okay. Reach out and say hello to somebody and do it with a smile. Even if you're feeling nervous, do the fake it till you make it thing. Put a smile on your face and introduce yourself. Shoulders back and introduce yourself to somebody um, and see where it goes. It may be that you discover a gem of a person who you're going to keep in your life forever. Or it could be that you realize, you know what? Glad I got to know this person now because I don't want to know them later on. So take a chance and just reach out. There's a very wise man who trained me and who trained you, (laughs) Mr. John Laval, who has a great theory Uh that I like. Which is that he said he he usually at the training will ask people, um, put your hand up if you have some friends in your life, you know, and good friends. Now we're talking good friends and people put their hands up and he says, right, how many of you can think of like more than three people? And lots of people will keep their hands up and he says, you're lying to yourself. And he says, because you don't. In your life, you're going to have maybe two, if you're lucky, three people who are truly, truly friends. And he would class everybody else as being acquaintances. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that part of it. but I don't agree with that. Yeah, his definition of a good friend, and I love this part, is that they ring you up at three o'clock in the morning and they say to you, I'm in trouble. And your response is, okay, I'm putting my shoes on. Where are we going to bury this body? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a true friend. And I understand what he's saying in that I know that there's maybe four people in my life I could do that with where if I rang them at three o'clock in the morning and said, I'm in trouble, they wouldn't ask questions. They would just be there. And beyond that, these would be what I would call my absolute and utter core group. Should anything happen Mm -hmm. to one of them, I would be devastated. Beyond that, Mm -hmm. then I have great friends. I have great friends that I can go have dinner with. I can have drinks with. They know my life. I know their life. We get on really, really well. And I think when you're starting out and you're, you're, you want to expand your group, you're not instantly looking for that core connection. You're not looking for the core group because yeah. people have to earn their way into that group with you. You don't give that up quickly. People have to earn the right to be part of your core group. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for friends. You're looking for that outside layer. And if you think of that, it sort of takes the the heaviness or the punishment of or the difficulty of connecting with people out of it because you're just looking for someone to go and have a beer with or someone to have dinner with go to the cinema with somebody who you can say god had a crap day today at work and they will say oh tell me about it and they'll help you to feel better that's what you're looking for you're not looking straight away for the person who will say where are we going to bury the body always remember that that person has to earn the right to be in your core group i love that Thank you. I'll help you bury the body. I know you would. You'd be one of my core. (laughs) Trust me, I have them on every continent, just in case I travel a lot. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here. I've enjoyed every bit of this. And for our listeners, if any of this resonated with you and you'd like to get in touch with Karen, um, and I, I tell people, a lot of coaches or therapists will, will go to the deepest part of the lake with you. Karen will hold your hand to go off the continental shelf. 
She's a transformation wizard. And you can find her at skillsquestcompany.com. That's it. And if you are interested in being a guest on my podcast or have any questions about how you can create more lasting friendships in your life, you can find me at nancyhand.com. And you can find the transcript notes and everything about this podcast at friendsonhand.com, episode two. And remember, friendships make you smarter, happier, stronger, healthier, and wealthier, not to mention being absolutely fun, fulfilling, and joyful. So get out there and make a friend. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Karen.